Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Lord, let that be our prayer as we receive from your word today. Let that be at the heart of who we are as people. That we um, walk humbly with you. That we seek to do your will. So Lord, may I not speak plausible words of human wisdom. But words given by your spirit that we might be transformed by your presence and your spoken word living in us, we pray. Amen. Amen. A little boy was um, watching his father one day and uh, watched his father struggle with the computer. He's trying to get a floppy disk. Remember floppy disks? What's a floppy disk, Dad? Um, he was trying to get a floppy disk in his computer, and the father was having such a terrible time trying to get it to work. It just wasn't going in. And the little boy said to his father, Dad, maybe there's a penny in there. <laughs> sure enough, the father got something and fished out a penny. Only problem is when he went to go back to put the floppy disk in, he went to put the disk in all the way, and the little boy said, well, Dad, maybe there's a lot of pennies in there. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we uh, receive revelation, there's, there's something more that we, we really don't get. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about the transfiguration and the meaning of the transfiguration that we need to get today. Not just when the Lord takes us away to a secret place to reveal the fullness of His glory. You and I all know the reality is if God revealed the fullness of His glory to us in our presence right here, right now, we can't handle it. I feel like, you know, Jack Nicholson saying, you can't handle the truth, you know, from whatever that movie was. Um, we can't handle the full power of God. It would be, you know, like... You know, the Ghostbusters crossing streams or something crazy happening. Well, the reality is <coughs> we, um, we look to the miracle of miracles, I would say, of Jesus. And I would say today, as we look at the transfiguration, that it's probably the greatest miracle of all. We watched him change water into wine. It was noted historically. It was, you know, we watched the blind see and the lame walk. Watch the dead rise. I mean, those things have been noted in history. But for Jesus to fully transform from man into something else, the fullness of his glory... It's just a real miracle on display. Well, I would venture to guess that that wasn't the true miracle of the transfiguration. The transfiguration was not the real miracle. It was just a temporary pause in the ongoing miracle. Because the real miracle was that Jesus, most of the time, had to keep himself from displaying his glory <laughs> to be a man. Think of that. Most of his life on earth, those 
30 some odd years, God was keeping this like nuclear power from bursting out of its seams. Christ to be glorious was almost a less matter than for him to restrain or hide his real glory. It is forever his glory that he has concealed his, it is forever his glory that he concealed his glory that though he was rich for our sake, he became poor. The very things that Jesus represented in his lifetime, the very things that he hid behind were all designed perfectly so that his revelation would be at a level that we could handle at a rate that we could handle, in a time that we could handle. One of my discoveries recently as I've been praying about what to say this afternoon at the annual meeting uh, is just the, the posture of prayer. Oftentimes we come in, into a meeting like this, we, we gather on Sunday and we're hopeful that in the midst of worship, our prayers are, are going to be answered. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who have cancer. We pray for those who are dying. We pray for wealth and health and jobs and all of these things. And that's wonderful. We should be praying and covering people in those things. But our focus in our prayer shouldn't be those things. Because God might not have them for us. He might have for us a fallow season where we have to live without he might have for us a, 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 a life that is so stripped away because of our earthly illnesses that we finally get free to focus fully on him. He doesn't want us to be in pain. He doesn't want us to be angry or sad or broken or crying. But sometimes we have to realize that he wants us. So when we pray, our purpose and the fullness of the reason for praying is intimacy with God, not forgetting our answers. And I think people lose their faith over this. They lose their faith because they spend time praying and they, they get disappointed. Remember what I say? The, the, I think it's AA that says uh, expectations are preconceived resentments. Let me say that again if it didn't set in. Expectations are preconceived resentments. When we expect something to happen, it doesn't happen. We resent that it hasn't happened the way that we want it to happen. And I think what God wants from us is expectancy. God, you are so much bigger than I can even perceive. What are you going to do next? Can you feel that? I mean, it's like watching when, when you're a kid and you, you saw a Babe Ruth or a Joe DiMaggio or a whoever, you know? Um, I, I just can't imagine being at a game and being close enough to smell the hot dogs and the sweaty baseball players and they're out there and crack! That ball goes out and you're just out of your skin because you know there's more to come. That guy can just get up there and do it again. Maybe baseball's not your deal, but fill in the blanks. Because God just, in his infinite nature, just wants to show you so much more. And why not feel that way? I know that there are people here right now, today, who are just like, I don't get that revelation. 
I haven't seen that revelation. I feel pretty beaten up right now. And I need a God that's, that's become real for me so that I can know because I'm just about ready to toss my faith. Well, I pray, brothers and sisters, that when you get there, you ask Him that question. You just say to Him, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. That's what the whole point of the transfiguration was about. Was Jesus saying, I want you to see what I've come here to do so you have a glimpse into the fullness of the truth. I'm not here to play games. I'm here to give you access to all of this. Last week we talked about the authority that Jesus was given. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. Not out the door so you can have a nice Super Bowl. But go and take what you've been given. Take what you've seen. Bear witness to the way that God has moved. Even if it's minuscule. I, I, have, I could like own a baseball team by now. Um, if I'm sticking on the baseball theme. Um, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, well, I just don't have very much to say about what God does because he doesn't do miracles in my life. And I'm like, whoa, you need to get a hold of what miracles... I mean, you woke up this morning. You have blood in your veins. You, you have children that are alive and doing well and you haven't killed them yet. Um, you have, you know, go down the list. There's so many beautiful things that happen in our lives. And, and when we get to the place where we have nothing or we feel that we have nothing, nothing, let me tell you, you have a family here. It's what the church is for. We care for one another. We have life groups, not so that you can say, oh, I fulfilled Father Dan's request. I'm in a life group. You know, I don't, you don't have to have that stamp, but you sure need people. You need people in your life. You need people to surround you and to bless you and encourage you, help you walk with you, tell their story when you can't tell yours. So Paul today in his uh, letter, I'm sorry, Peter, Second Peter. I always, I always say that and then I realize it's got to be another epistle, of course. In Second Peter, he says, I think it right as long as I am in the body to stir you up by the way of reminder. Why would Peter need to remind us? <laughs> How often do you forget? How often do I forget? It's my, it's my job to do some of these things. And I'm like, oh, Lord, why do I have to start all over again? Because sometimes the hardest things boil down to the simplest response. Since I know that putting off my, bo putting off my body Will, soon, will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any point to recall these things. Okay? Guess what, folks? I'm going soon. I need you to remember a few things. Got your attention? Okay? This is not Dan Morgan saying these things, but imagine if it was. All right, guys, I've experienced so much death in the last year, and the Lord has told me I've only got a month to live, so listen up. 
If that were true, I'm not speaking over myself. I cleanse myself of that, Lord. I do not want anything to do with only one month. Thank you, Jesus. But I would tell you a few things because all of a sudden, my life has laser focus. My purpose has been revealed in my final days. I want to spend time with my kids. I want to spend time with my kids. And I'll be on the phone and FaceTime in my granddaughter because I want them to know how much they're loved, how much they're cherished, how much the, the things in life that we fret over so much are so less complicated if we stay simply in his presence and walk with him. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths which were made known to you the power of the coming of the Lord, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. For when we received the honor and glory from God, the Father and the voice, I'm sorry, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. We bear witness to the real thing. How many times in your lifetime do you get to bear witness to a real thing? Like when you see real heroes... They're not the ones in front of the microphone going, yeah, and for my next performance, you know, I'll be there. I feel bad. I'm, I'm sorry to say this publicly in the middle of a sermon, but I really feel bad for Taylor Swift and all the publicity that she's got. You know, we, we, can, we, can be, uh, we, we can pity her life or we can make judgments about her personality or the life that she's been given, but our media has decided to make her a target. And she needs prayer. So they're responding to what they're seeing, not to what they're hoping for, not to what they've heard about. It's not an innuendo. It's not come through social media. It's not a soundbite. We saw the glory of God revealed in him. Wow, it was so much bigger than anything we could have seen on earth. And we saw the dead rise. So get ready. I used to think and wonder, Mom, why would I ever want to go to heaven? It's going to be so boring. I mean, now that she's there, I can't imagine anything else but her not being elated with every second because she's in God's presence. How could it be boring when the time changes for the music don't need to be rehearsed, right, Laura? It's just happening. It's just this ever, never-ending flow. There's this, this perfect sense of connection. There's, there's mistakes, I'm sure, or just, I wouldn't even call them mistakes, just holy laughter. <laughs> because we don't take ourselves seriously anymore. <laughs> Peter wanted to let his people know that what he said in his lifetime on this earth mattered because he had seen the fullness of God. So when you go back to 1 Peter and he says, therefore, gird your minds for action. 
be holy for the Lord your God is holy. You know, that was Peter's just do it statement. Okay, they could have put a slogan around that. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Nobody could even fathom that. I don't think any of us sitting here could fathom the fullness of what that means. How is it that we could be holy? Can anybody here claim that? We should. Because our holiness isn't contingent upon our goodness or our faithfulness or ability. It's contingent upon the fullness of Christ living in us. And he's already made that possible on the cross and the resurrection. He lives in us through his spirit. We are holy because we are his. So when you think about those pennies, I think about floppy drives. Things change so fast. And, and we think that, you know, we live in such different times than they did in the Bible. It's no different. You, humanity is just the same. Humanity is, is in this place where when we see something, we say, oh, maybe we should build a monument to it. Well, Jesus with his disciples... That's where they were. They were wondering, what should we do? After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, up to a high mountain. Why? Because the others couldn't come? Yeah, maybe, yes, maybe no. Maybe he was showing us some illustrations that we need to see in Scripture. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus was transformed in their presence. We, they saw him intensely white, uh, look, would look like he, they had all been bleached. And there appeared with them Elijah and Moses. How did they know it was Elijah and Moses? Was it the way they were saying each other? Was it the length of their beards? I don't know. I think it was because it was revealed to them. Peter said to Jesus, impulsive Pete, I love the impulsions of, of Peter. You know, he shoots first and asks questions later. <laughs> Rabbi, it is a good thing that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Well, why? Because they had a Jewish history of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a place for, for the, the greats, for, for people to meet with those who would reside in those tents that were from the Lord. It was a place for, for there to be a remembrance. It was a place for them to, in a physical way, bring honor to the ones that they were standing before just now. He didn't know what to say, so he opened his mouth and stuck it right in his mouth. Opened his foot, or whatever. Opened his mouth and picked up his foot. You know what I mean. <laughs> the cloud overshadowed them, and the voice came out of the cloud and said, What? You know the Ten Commandments. You know the summary of the law. You've hung out with Jesus long enough. Time to get moving. No. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The reason why they needed to receive that message is the same reason that you do. God is crazy about you. 
Is that in your thick skull yet? I know it has a hard time getting into mine. Lord Jesus, why would you want to hang out with me? That's what Peter said. He goes, get behind me, Lord. I'm a miserable sinner. You don't want to be around folks like me. But Jesus chose him to be in his inner circle because of his vulnerability, because of his honesty, because of his ability to say, I want to take action. I want to do what's right. I want to do what you would have me do, Lord. Change me, shape me, make me yours so that I can go out and do it and do it right for your sake. And Jesus, being led by the Father in this moment, is example is being an example, an illustration to us of what God wants to say to you every day. This is my child. Because Christ lives in you, not because you are somehow special or your body has been made perfect. God knows we have bodies that for various reasons, could be perf- more perfect, right? But he didn't see that. He sees the fullness of what you were intended to be and what one day we will be when we're in a new heaven and on a new earth, when we have new bodies, when there's no more uh, work of the enemy undermining the work of the kingdom, where there's no more uh, place for division, where there's no more room for deceit, where there's no doubt or fear or shame, where there's no one second-guessing whether they are loved by their parents, mother or father, brother or sister, friend or co-worker, boss or underling. We just know that we've been made, we've been crafted in love, for love, We are blessed to be a blessing. Have you heard that somewhere before? It's a part of our DNA. So you would ask me, what does this have to do with today being our annual meeting and as I I jokingly call the state of the onion? I like that as a phrase because it's punny and it's dad pun-like. But the state of the onion is, the, is a reality. God is peeling back one layer at a time, one cell at a time, one piece at a time to reveal to us his heart in us so that others might be attracted to his light. People have watched you transform over your life because of the love of Christ and his presence in your life. Trust that. When I first um, met Kristen, and um, I guess it wasn't when we first met, but was soon thereafter, I don't know if we were engaged or it was our first year of marriage, we went to Woodbury, Connecticut to be with my family and were gathered for uh, what is our Epiphany Christmas event. And Kristen pulls me aside that first evening and she goes, I don't know who you are and I don't know where you've gone. But unless my husband comes back, I'm packing up and going home. I went, what are you talking about? She goes, you're not little brother Danny anymore. You've gotten an education. You've grown up. You know principles that they may not know because they haven't had as active a life in Christ as you have. But you can't revert back to being 10 years old every time you come home. Grow up. 
put up, shut up, and be the man that I know that you are. It's like, <laughs> she's not here to defend this, so I can say whatever I want to say. She wasn't here this morning. She wasn't feeling very well. But I, I took that holy admonition as a, a, a heartfelt, this is why you made her for me, Lord, so that you could remind me through her, and I get to remind her of those things that she fails in, um, of, so that I could get back on track, so that I could hear the way the Lord wants me to hear, so that I could walk the way the Lord wants me to walk. So St. Luke's, you are loved. You, God wants to reveal himself to you more and more and more and more. And you were made to grow in the light of Christ. You already have the equipment to be a powerhouse for him. Let's not show up and be a part of a spectator sport. Let's figure out what God wants to do with our gifts so that we can bring others to Christ and introduce them to a family that can help them grow in their faith. That's what this is about. This isn't just about our enjoying one another, singing kumbaya, doing our thing, hearing a sermon, going home. No, it's so much more than that. It's so that we might look around one day and go, I don't know that I know half these people anymore. Praise the Lord. We're doing something right. There's a lot of empty seats in here. There's a lot of time on the weekly schedule that we could have more services. There is a lot that has already been planted in you to give away to the world. Let's do it. The state of the union is we're a healthy church. God has blessed us. God continues to, to grow us. It, it may not be just great, sharp numbers of increase. And, you know, we have buildings bulging and all sorts of things. I, I don't know that that's exactly what God wants. He'll tell us when he's ready. What he's shown us is that he's sharpening us, that he's growing us internally so that we have the capacity to be clean enough, to be washed enough to be in a place where we're vulnerable and open enough to love, grow, serve, and go. Let's do that for the sake of the kingdom. You're healthy. Don't let the enemy get back in. Don't let division divide us. Walk by grace. Be humble. Let's be a people who love one another and find ourselves going... Every time a critical negative thought comes out or just a, a um, judgment falls on one another, let's repent of it quickly so it doesn't divide us. Because we're really on the same team. We're fighting for the same thing. So that when we say the words of the Nicene Creed, we're not crossing our fingers, right? So that we, when we give the summary of the law, we really do believe it. That our very, the very heart of our mission is that we might fulfill the great commandment, or we might live out the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. Okay? Fulfilling the great commandment is doing just what it says. Love our neighbors and love God with everything we've got. 
The Great Commission is what we've talked about that's heart, at the heart of our mission statement. Love, grow, serve, go. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. You don't have to bring water with you. It's not a, you know, let, let's bring the holy baptism tub with us in the back of our car. There's no emergency baptismal kit. If you need one, I could figure that out. We do have holy water here. But the reality is baptizing them, like I said last week, means let's immerse our friends and family. This is a year that will beat the bands, and it's going to beat your brains. And I'm going to be right here on my face, on my knees for you. I'm going to be right here on my face, on the case for this nation as we look to a very complicated political season, I can see backs and shoulders already going, he said the P word. I'm not looking forward to it. But I am looking forward to the outcome. Because I think as we start to yield ourselves to Christ and focus more on him and less on people or politicians or processes or divided you know, whatever side of the aisle you are on, our rightness or wrongness, we stay focused on him and shining a light of Christ in our culture. <laughs> We're going to see transformation happen in our country. I believe it with all of my heart. Because he may put somebody you don't like in that office, but it's going to cause us to see it's going to force us to be completely. So we prayed and prayed, Lord, I prayed for the right candidate. I know who he or she is. I know that it's going to happen. Well, expectation is preconceived resentments. Saw a lot of resentment since the last election. Let's not go there. Not together, at least. I mean, culturally, we, we have conversations with people to help guide them. Do that. Be involved in party action stuff. Be a, a, a person who's out there influencing the culture around you for, with the love of Christ. I am not telling you to be in a little hovel and be afraid of those conversations. Have those conversations. But you're not, your end result doesn't need to be, I'm right, you're wrong. Get out there and show what the transfiguration has done in you. Show them what being a Christian means and how it affects your public policy, how it affects what candidate you're voting for, <coughs> how it affects how you view abortion and how you have, uh, view gun control and you view all these hot buttons that are going to light up our culture in the next few months. We need to see Christ in culture in a new way. We need it desperately. And the only answer is you. The only answer is you. It, it is not a Christianized culture. It is a culture influenced by Christ. You know what the difference is? When we go forward with an agenda and we feel like we have the right political value and we're going to stamp it with a candidate or one party or the other, we fail because it, it's built around our expectations. But when it is, hey, 
I have values inside of me. I'm going to express those values with everything that I've got. And I want you to know why it is that those values have been shaped in Christ. Then you're, you've become an influencer. You have the potential of changing a heart, not just standing up and saying, my sign says it all. We have too many logos. We have too many things that are, we're trying to use in a, a bumper sticker. In our, in our culture. I mean, you are much more than a bumper sticker. Stop being one. Stop hiding behind the, the short little blurts that go out. Don't oh, shut your social media off for a year. I'm serious. There's no need to engage it because the second you type back your fuming red-eared response, the second you engage in it, you're going to get slammed with 10,000 other responses from the opposite view. That's not influence. That's not being the love of Christ to another person. That's just pouring gasoline on the fire. You ever heard that value before? You've been given two cups, and in every conversation, you, you can use one cup or the other. And one cup for that fire is water, and the other cup is gasoline. You choose. I mean, of course we don't want to pour more gasoline on the fire. And some of you physics-oriented people would say, well, sometimes fighting fire with fire is a good thing. Every analogy breaks down, right? What I would say to you is, show the transfiguration that is in you. Show the glory of God that's been revealed in you. And all the weight, all the pain, all the shame, all the power all the manipulation, all the politics that is going to yank you around all year doesn't have to weigh on your shoulders. It'll slip right off of you. Are you of Paul or are you of Apollos? Are you of Matthew or are you of Luke? Are you of, you know, fill in the blank. No. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going to follow him wherever he has me go. I'm going to listen to the fullness of what he has to reveal in me. And it's different in me because he's speaking to me. And I can't lay an expectation that you're going to feel exactly the same. But I pray that together as a body, as a unified group, we will see what the net effect of God's fullness and his glory is so that we together we'll be able to have a transforming work in our culture around us. Amen?